a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. crew welcome to dancing is forbidden in aqua teen hunger force exploration i am ronnie and on this podcast i am watching through and talking about every aqua teen episode one episode at a time and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is season four episode three deleted scenes oh hey there you know what you just witnessed was a deleted scene from my movie entitled Untitled Master Shake Project. Deleted Scenes making its television debut on December 18th, 2005. And in this episode, we have Shake, Meatwad, and Carl presenting deleted scenes from the upcoming Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. Of course, we now know that is called Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. But back at the time, I don't think that the name was announced yet. And of course, in the episode, Shake calls it the Untitled Master Shake Project, which of course uh, is a funny joke, but is not the name of the actual movie. So this is a very different kind of Aqua Teen episode, different than anything else we've covered from this show yet. First of all, in that this episode is 22 minutes long. This is a full length, you know, a typical half hour episode of television. So it's a first here. But it's not just a 22-minute long episode. About half of it is clips, deleted scenes from the upcoming colon movie film for theaters. And then the other half of it is Shake, Meatwad, and then occasionally Carl kind of joking around, introducing the clips, but not really touching on them a whole lot. So this episode doing two different things. And I should pivot now to the title on this episode, because I'm calling it Deleted Scenes. And that is really what is used to refer to as this full 22-minute episode. However, at some point in 2007, they started airing this episode, but split up into two 11-minute chunks. And these are referred to as Aqua Teen Hunger Force Star-Studded Christmas Spectacular, starring Ron Jeremy, parts 1 and 2. And this is important to note because it's not like to make these 11-minute versions, they just cut the 22-minute version down the middle and called it a day. They actually had to rearrange a lot of the clips and also, like, what Shake is saying at parts to make it fit cleanly into an 11-minute episode. And I'm telling you this not only because I find it interesting, at least, but because... If the only access to this episode that you have is the two 11-minute versions, and that's what you're referencing while listening to this podcast, it'll be in different orders. Like, things won't show up the same way. It'll be slightly different. But that's not it. Actually, the two-parter, if you, like, take all the content and then compare it to the 22-minute version, it's actually missing about a minute of content. And we will be addressing the most glaringly obvious example of that in today's podcast episode. And I do want to say somebody on IMDb cataloged really the differences between these. So link to that in the description if you want to see these differences. Now, you may be wondering where these separate versions are, like where you can see each version. So the episode we're doing today, the full 22-minute version, is the episode on HBO Max. Now, they do refer to it by the much longer name, just without like a part one or two after it. 
to me, that's a mistake because when they air this episode, as far as I could tell, it's it's just called deleted scenes when it's the full 22 minute thing. But that's besides the point. If you're watching on HBO Max, you'll have the full thing. Also, if you have the colon movie film for theaters DVD, you will also have the full 22 minute episode. Now, if you have the volume five DVD, which has this the season on it, the fourth season, then you're going to have the two shorter versions, the two parter, basically. I don't know why they decided to put the two-parter on the full DVD. Like, it definitely, I think, objectively is the lesser version because it's missing stuff. But that's what they did. I'm not sure why, but that's what they did. So it is kind of important whichever version you have access to. But again, the one on HBO Max is, in my mind, the correct version. And look, I know I'm going on about some nerd shit here. I hope I haven't made you turn the podcast off already. But to mention a personal aspect here, I definitely have hardcore memories of watching this one on TV back, I'm assuming, in 2005, because that makes this season three for three of me having seen Dirtfoot, Boost Mobile, and now deleted scenes back when I was a kid. And that's not something I could say for most Aqua Teen episodes, okay? That's why I do bring it up if I have seen it, because I have not seen most episodes on TV. So I'm thinking I saw this probably when they were airing. And this one just left me dumbfounded. I was confused by it. I didn't, like, I realized it was a longer episode, but it wasn't like a normal episode. They weren't doing stuff normally. Frylock was only in the clips. And I just really did not care for this one. I did not like this one. And do I still feel that way today as an adult? Well, I guess we'll find out. But before we could find that out and before we could get all into deleted scenes, you know, we've got some other stuff to talk about. We've got some Aqua Teen news. First up, we have the legend himself, Andy Merrill, voice of Oglethorpe, voice of Brack, you know, a linchpin of Adult Swim. Without Andy Merrill, there probably wouldn't be a Space Ghost, or at least it would not be as good as it was. Andy Merrill popped up on the Jungle Gyms International Market podcast, and it's great. It's a long-form conversation. You don't see Andy doing a ton of these. And it's very much enjoyable. So you could find that at the link in the description. There's also a video version. So you could see Andy talking live over the internet in front of your very eyes. I can't believe technology has taken us this far. Again, that is the Jungle Gyms International Market Podcast. Usually a food podcast, but this this interview very much not about food. It's really just about Andy and his career and things like that. So definitely check that out. And the second podcast appearance I want to tell you about is one that your boy was on. I got to go on the Owls Only podcast, which is an adult swim podcast, and talk with the host, Bryce, about both Aqua Teen films. We, we compared and contrasted colon movie film for theaters with Plantasm. So that was a fun time. You could check that out, too, via the link in the description. And if you're just an Adult Swim fan in general, which you probably are if you're listening to this, then definitely check out Owls Only. So those are both of the things I wanted to tell you about, of course, as for actual Aqua Teen news, there's really nothing to mention right now. So next up, I have some listener mail from our friend Cup on Drugs sending in their Aqua Teen origin story, and I'm going to read it to you. How about that? So Cup on Drugs says, good morning, Ronnie. I'm emailing to you about my Aqua Teen Hunger Force origin, if you can call it that. My dad had seasons 1 and 2 on DVD, and me and him would watch Aqua Teen all day. I'm not kidding you, all day. From 6am to 2pm, we would be through the whole series that he had on DVD. I really don't remember my origin story because I was too young. 
The youngest I remember watching Aqua Teen is about four-ish years old. I'm pretty sure I was watching it way younger. So I've been an Aqua Teen fan all my life, pretty much. When my parents separated, I stole, in quotations, my dad's DVDs. I have the season two and season three DVDs on my wall. Signing off, your loyal listener, Cup on Drugs. Thanks, Cup on Drugs, for this story. I love to hear when people, you know, get into it with their parents. Of course, you know, these stories are becoming a bit more common as time goes on. Of course, if you are my age or, or older, then you probably didn't have an experience like this. And these are really just beautiful stories. I love hearing about this, about sharing this love of this weirdo show with your parents. I mean, many viewers have the opposite experience where their parents don't want them to watch it or didn't want them to watch it, rather, or their their parents hate the show and like don't want to go near it. So it's so cool to see the tides changing a little bit, or at least through stories like this. Although, does a generation raised on Aquatine, does that uh, spell disaster for the future of humanity? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. But thank you, Cup on Drugs, for sending this story in. I really just love to hear about these kinds of things. If you would like to send in your own Aquatine origin story, either via email, you could email me at dancingisforbiddenpod at gmail.com, or send in a voice message. I can play it on the show. You could find the link to that in the description or head on over to dancingisforbidden.com. So with all of that out of the way, what do you say we head on over and see what the heck was going on the week that Deleted Scenes premiered? Let's see what we got. Climbing to the top of the box office and the Empire State Building, just like his gorilla brethren before him, we have King Kong beating his chest above all the other films this week as $50 million rains down behind him like a complete baller. This King Kong reboot directed by Peter Jackson, you know, hot off the tails of his Lord of the Rings supremacy. And my understanding is this remake was in development for a very long time and I guess Peter Jackson originally was kind of signed on or or they wanted him but he was going to be doing Lord of the Rings so he didn't do it and then after Lord of the Rings they went back and revisited it made this film that stars Andy Serkis, Naomi Watts, Jack Black, and Adrian Brody and this film did very well this year and surprisingly I don't really remember it like I don't remember seeing ads for this uh, I just don't remember hearing people really even talk about it that much. Not to say that didn't happen. I just am surprised for how well that this did and how much love it seemed to have gotten that I am just not really familiar with this. But it's King Kong. You know, it's it's a reboot. You got some solid talent behind it. It's no surprise it did well. But where they really messed up here and the biggest disappointment for me is that King Kong shares no cast or crew with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which I think is a mistake. I think King Kong, he would have brought in about $55 million this week if they had brought on, I don't know, Dana Snyder as the voice of King Kong. Just an idea here. And I'm putting it out there for anyone who hears this. If you have a time machine and can also influence the casting of King Kong in 2005... I only want 5% for this idea. I know, very generous of me, but you know what? That's what King Kong would want. So, moving on to our music this week. First up, our top Billboard album. And I'm not really going to play anything from it because we've talked about them before. 
it's another Now CD. So in case you're unfamiliar, Now CDs, this one is Now 20. They are just compilations of the hottest tracks of the time. So it's not like a proper album. It's just a compilation. But some of the songs you can expect to see on this one include Lose Control by Missy Elliott, a certified classic. Uh, Don't Funk With My Heart by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, they're not saying what you think they're saying there. It's uh, they, could, they could play it on the radio. Uh, Don't Ya by Pussycat Dolls, a.k.a. the only Pussycat Dolls song I've ever heard in my life. We got some normal pop, too, like uh, These Words by Natasha Bedingfield. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's what I say to Aqua Teen uh, whenever I watch it. Uh, we have... Do You Want To by Franz Ferdinand, and uh, Yes I Do, Franz, and uh, we have Beverly Hills by Weezer, which I think is very a uh, divisive song. I always liked that one, though. I thought it was kind of fun. I don't mind when Weezer does poppier stuff, uh, and in fact, I honestly might like their poppier stuff more than like their their uh, alternative rocky stuff, which is, which is what they're most well known for. Uh, we have Sugar We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy, one of my favorite songs of the era. I'm just a notch in your bedpost, and you're just a line in this podcast. And then, you know, like uh, You and Me by Lifehouse, a, a nice sappy song. Fix You by Coldplay, a nice sappy song. Only one country song on here, I think. We have You'll Think of Me by Keith Urban. Otherwise, we got a good mix of rock, uh, hip-hop, R&B, and just good old-fashioned pop, baby. Can't complain about it. To move on to our top single this week, it's the same as it has been. We have Chris Brown's Run It, and our alternative track is the same as it was in Boost Mobile. It is Nine Inch Nails with Only. So that's what's going on. Um, This is our last episode in 2005. So I do want to mention again that on the Patreon, I did a deep dive just into 2005's Pop Culture and Adult Swim at the time, if you want to hear me touch on more of that. And I'm saying that because 2005 was the first year I was excited to cover on the podcast. All the previous years, I was a bit too young. Like, I remember stuff from them. I remember some of the big pop culture elements of the time. But when it comes to 2005 here, I remember a lot more of this stuff being 11 and 12 years old in this year, I was paying more attention to popular culture. I was, you know, surfing the net at the time. I was on MySpace, figuring out my top eight, learning how to use HTML to pimp out my profile, okay? I was a member of society at this point, and I'm sad we don't get to touch more on some of the highlights, the cornerstones. I mean, looking earlier in the year at the top singles, we have like 50 Cent's Candy Shop, which I remember being huge at the time. Uh, Gwen Stefani with Holla Back Girl finally teaching me how to spell bananas. Thank you, Gwen. I don't know why. To me, it just rings as a good year for pop culture. Please let me know your thoughts. Maybe, Maybe you're sitting there like, what the fuck? 2005 sucked for pop culture. Maybe. I don't know. I know I'm kind of looking at it through uh, rose-tinted glasses here. But I think a lot of this stuff does still hold up by the fact that I still hear it all the time today. So that is our run-through of music. Most of it we've talked about. It's some good stuff. So moving on to our video games this week. There was really nothing to talk about this week. Nothing that I was familiar with. Because again, it is the end of the year. Nothing really is coming out. So I had to look into earlier in the month to see what else was coming out. And I found a game coming out on December 9th of 2005, so nine days before Deleted Scenes premieres, we have a game called The Endless Forest. And in this game, it's a multiplayer game, so it's online, and you play as a deer. But for some reason, you have a human face. I'm not quite sure why. 
But the interesting thing about this is it's more of an art piece than it is any sort of actual game, because there's no real objectives, there's no winning or losing or anything like that. You just kind of interact with people, but even though it's this social thing, you can't actually type. There's no actual chatting. All you can do with your deer character is emote, so like lay down or, or I don't know, look in a direction or whatever. Or you, ha you can have pictographs go up above your head, so like a smile face, you know, a sad face, that kind of thing. So my understanding is it also could be used as a screensaver, so <laughs> that's an antiquated idea in itself, of course. But when your screen would go to sleep, take a little nap, the game could pop up and you could just kind of see your deer character and whatever else is going on around you. So kind of interesting. And the cool thing is this game is completely free and it is still playable today. In fact, I had to hop on. I had to live out my deer boy fantasies and God damn it, I did. I had the time of my life and uh, you're missing out if you don't get on there. Well, that's not true. It was all right. Uh, there was about 40 other people online. I don't think this was ever a big popular game, even in its heyday. But the fact that people are still on it was surprising to me because there's even modern games coming out now that have like, a population of like three people playing it. So that was a little bit impressive there. And it looks like they're actually remaking it in Unreal Engine. Not sure why. Again, I don't think it's a very popular game, but I guess they're doing it. But all right, it is December 18th, 2005. You are living your best life this week. You're an animal lover, and also, you're a little bit cheap. That's all right, because everything is popping off for you. The stars are aligning, because you got a great deal on the matinee of the new King Kong film, and you loved it. You said, finally, there's a sexy gorilla on the screen. Get those sexy humans out of here. All I want is this big gorilla climbing up the Empire State Building. You're here for it. On the way back from the matinee, you still got time to kill, baby. It's fucking 2 p.m. You wander by the Best Buy and you say, you know what? I really like that new Fallout Boys song, Sugar, We're Going Down. The music video is amazing because for some reason, the guy in the video, he has deer antlers. Not sure why. And me personally, all these years later, I still don't really know why. But you loved it. But again, you're a little bit frugal. You walk into the Best Buy and you see, you see the Fall Out Boy CD from Under the Cork Tree sitting there. But they also have the new Now 20 CD with the same song on it. And it's a couple dollars cheaper. It's a no-brainer. You get the Now 20 CD and then you run home with the CD. You're so excited to tell your friends about it. And all your friends, they're on the Endless Forest. But unfortunately, you know, you log on. It's, it's a free game, so it fits your budget. And also, you get to be a deer, so that's great. But you can't, you can't talk in the game. You can't type anything. So you're trying to figure out how to say, I saw King Kong and got now 20 with pictographs. You're not figuring it out. You're getting too frustrated. You try for at least seven hours, but you can't figure it out. But hey, look, it's 10 p.m. Adult Swim is about to come on. You got to take a break from Endless Forest and see what's coming on tonight. First up at 10 p.m., we have American Dad with Deacon Stan, Jesus Man. At 10.30 p.m., we have Family Guy with There's Something About Pauly. At 11 p.m., we have a new episode with The Boondocks, A Huey Freeman Christmas. And that's worth mentioning, of course, is that it is December 18th. Christmas is coming up in about a week here. And in this Boondocks episode, we have Quincy Jones guest starring. Quincy Jones probably being most famous for producing Michael Jackson's off-the-wall thriller and bad. Uh, quite the lineup there. But also, relating to Aqua Teen a little bit at least, is in the Boost Mobile episode, we had a reference to Sanford and Son 
Well, Quincy Jones, he was friends with Red Fox, uh, the Sanford and Sanford and Son, and Quincy also composed the theme song to that show. So a little bit of a connection there, if you want to call it that. At 11.30 p.m., we have Stroker and Hoop with the Wrath of Khan Ja, a.k.a. Damn It Mamet. This being the second to last episode of Stroker and Hoop, and its final episode will premiere the following week on Christmas. And of course, that being a new episode, as I said, it was the second to last episode of the show. So this week it is premiering. And next up at midnight, the reason we are gathered here today, we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force with deleted scenes, of course, a new episode. And that, you know, it's strange here to see it taking up a full 30 minute slot because this is a longer episode at 12.30 a.m., we have Perfect Hair Forever with Tusk, our final new episode of the night. So after that, we have 12.45 a.m. with Squidbillies, Chalky Trouble. 1 a.m., we have 12 Ounce Mouse with Spider. 1.15 a.m., C-Lab 2021 with Dur Deeb. 1.30 a.m., we have Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil. He's not the Messiah, he's a DJ. And 1.45 a.m., Minora Team with Operation Blackout. So two new-ish shows for us there. Of course, I did go over those on the Patreon 2005 Deep Dive, so I'm not going to get too into them other than uh, neither show I cared about at the time back in the day, but Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil, turns out to be a, a good show, and Minora Team, uh, not so much. <laughs> so that is our Adult Swim lineup this week. American Dad, Family Guy, Boondocks, Stroker and Hoop, Aqua Teen, Perfect Hair Forever, Squidbillies, 12-Ounce Mouse, C-Lab, Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, and Minora Team. So not a bad lineup, nice healthy dose of new episodes, and what do you say we dive into this new episode of Aqua Teen? Let's do it. Check it out, check it out, y'all, check it, check oh, it out, check it out. This is the part of the podcast where I shout out listeners who are signing on over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden to support this show. They like it. They want it to keep going. And God damn it. I like them too. So you know what? I think they deserve some love on the show because of that, because without them, I'd be dead in a ditch somewhere. There'd be no podcast, but there probably would be some sort of cool uh, true crime podcast episode about my life about how I done died because not enough people were on the Patreon. This week, keeping me out of the True Crime Podcast and still on the Aqua Teen Podcast, we have Hyperboreal signing up at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier, which gets Hyperboreal access to all 20-plus exclusive episodes over there. Of course, we do an exclusive episode every month for the Patreon at $5.00. You get a code, you could either listen to the podcast on your podcast player of choice, or you can listen to it on Spotify too. And Hyperboreal hopped on the Discord as well, with a little bit of an Aqua Teen origin story. I hope that they don't mind that I read that here to you, since, well, I mean, you could go look at it if you wanted to anyways. Hyperboreal says, Hello everyone, I've been listening to Dancing is Forbidden for a month or so now, and decided to get in on the Patreon. I first saw Aqua Teen Hunger Force in either 2002 or 2003 with the MCP Pants episode, but didn't really get back into Adult Swim until around 2005. I fell out around 2009, but came back for Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1, and then fell off again, and have been watching Adult Swim on and off since. 
Favorite episodes include Broodwitch, Total Recarl, Bookie, The Creditor, Bible Fruit, The Granite Family, Vampiris, and Antenna. That's what Hyperboreal had to say back in July. That is a beautiful mix of episodes, some older episodes, some newer episodes. I think it goes to show the strength of Aqua Teen that somebody could have such a varied list of favorite eps. And let me tell you, that list is looking good. Thanks, Hyperboreal. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Deleted scenes premiering on Adult Swim on December 18th, 2005 with a TV 14 DLV rating for suggestive dialogue, coarse and frequent language, and violence. And all of those really uh, make sense here, especially pertaining to the clips with Carl, with, uh, you know, spoilers, there's a broomstick up his ass, he's sawing parts of his leg off. This episode is very different from the Boost Mobile one, which was, of course, a PG episode. And like I said up top, we are covering the full 22-minute version today, and that seems to be the de facto version, the version that is shown more than the 11-minute versions. And I'm seeing here that the full 22-minute version was last played on Adult Swim in 2020, so just a few years ago. In comparison, the split-up 11-minute versions last played in 2012. So it's been about 11 years since they last played those split-up versions, so that's why I feel like they're not as important to talk about, besides the fact that, of course, I want to stay true to the version that aired, and also, you know, it's the version that has more stuff to it and the way it was originally intended. Before we move on to the voice actors, I need to come clean. I've been leading you on, I've been bamboozling you this entire time, lying to you, just degrading your trust in me this entire ride, because I'm not going to be covering this entire episode. I'm only going to be covering the interstitial kind of director's room, uh, screening room clips with Shake, Meatwad, and Carl, because the deleted clips... I have already covered in some capacity over on the Patreon. And this is not an ad for the Patreon, okay? I'm just telling you, I've already talked about these things. And because of that, I actually thought I would not cover this episode at all on the podcast. But first of all, I do want to cover every single Aqua Teen episode, so I kind of had to do it. But second of all, we have 11 minutes of new content here I've never covered before of Shake and, and Meatwad really going back and forth, and then Carl joining the mix. So I will be describing some of the clips to you when it's important, but they're really not important at all. The, what we see in the deleted clips don't really matter much, besides kind of like one detail, which is pretty obvious and I will tell you about. So yeah, like I said, I already covered that because it, all throughout 2022, I covered Colin Movie Film for Theaters on the Patreon, and while doing so, I covered it alongside the deleted Film. And I don't want to get too into the weeds on this because that's not what this episode is about. But on the Colon Movie Film for Theaters DVD, they have essentially a second version of the movie, which is more of a rough cut animatic. And in that, we have, I think, all, I could be wrong, but I, I know a lot of these clips are there, and I already covered those in those episodes, so it didn't make sense for me to rehash it. So I apologize if you're disappointed, but I mean, if you've heard those episodes, then I don't know why you'd want me to say the same thing again. And also, while doing those uh, colon movie film episodes, to me, these deleted clips are way more interesting in the context of the film rather than here as just kind of, you know, random clips, essentially. 
Also, I don't think you want me covering 22 minutes of an Aqua Teen episode because this podcast would be like three hours. So because of that, the voice crew that we are really going to be hearing from is going to be Dana Snyder as Shake, Dave Willis as Meatwad, and Carl. And that's basically it. Now, through the deleted clips, we also have Matt Malero as Ur and Cybernetic Ghost, Andy Merrill as Oglethorpe, and Mike Schatz as Emery. And of course, Dave Willis as Ignignoct. So you might hear like uh, some snippets of their dialogue, but that's all of our voice actors on this episode anyways. In terms of our editors here, we have four of them, and I think that's because it's using clips from the film. So we really just have the editors who worked on Colin movie film, Ned Hastings, Jay Edwards, John Breston, and Phil Sampson. So jumping into the episode now, it starts off with the theme song. Of course, there's no cold open anymore. And from there, it goes directly into a deleted clip. And this kind of sets the stage for what most of the deleted clips are about, which is Carl's hypno rims. He gets these rims on his car that are supposedly, and we see they do work, where you can hypnotize people to do whatever you want. In Carl's case, he wanted to hypnotize women to sleep with him. But he's on the phone, he's in his house looking out at his car, and he's on the phone bragging about it. Turns out he's talking to his mom. He's being very inappropriate with her. And while he's on the phone not really paying attention, the Moonanites steal Carl's hypno rims. Carl realizes it. Oh, they also vandalize his car too, of course. Carl runs outside, and the Aqua Teens then meet him out there, and they talk about, you know, how his hypno rims were stolen. And then the Moonanites come through in their ship, which at this point is pimped out now with hypno rims, and they're bragging about it, and they drive away. And that's basically it. Uh, Carl's upset that he, he wants to go to the strip club. He can't drive now. He has to walk. Shake tells him not to go. Shake can tell him how to get chicks without going to the strip club, but then Shake wants Carl to basically beg him to tell him, to beg the master for this information. Carl's going to punch Shake in the eye and give him a black eye, although we don't see that. We see that through a match cut, which is really just close-up of Shake's face. We see him outside, and then just the background changes. We're inside, but, but Shake has a black eye now. And he will reference that as we cut from the deleted clip to what the episode is supposed to be, which is Shake talking about these clips. And visually, it's just Shake. He, it, it's, the background here isn't really that detailed. I don't even know that Bob Pettit did this. It's just like a real-life photo of kind of like a behind-the-scenes shot where we have Shake sitting in a director's chair just talking about this. Please, master, watch me how I do it. Watch the eyes. Watch the eyes. And that's why he'll never learn. Mmm. <laughs> it's a nice match cut. <laughs> oh, hey there. You know what you just witnessed? was a deleted scene from my movie, entitled, Untitled Master Shake Project. <laughs> Funny, right? Funny thing is, it wasn't even good enough to make the final print, which isn't done yet. <laughs> hey, let's take a look at another fun clip that you'll never see in theaters. Roll that clip. What clip? <laughs> I rolled a doobie. Roll the clip, you dick. <laughs> I swear to God. Why did right, I do it? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Here we go. 
<laughs> Do it, please. We're starting. This way you roll the front. Oh, oh okay, here we go. Word up, bitch. <laughs> Word up, bitch. I wanted to keep that in for you, but yeah, that's the next clip starting. So we have Shake sitting on the director's chair, and the background here, I'm assuming Bob Pettit didn't do this because it looks like it's just a photograph of some sort some sort of behind the scenes setup. The background here is very much more in line with a Brack show background actually, this more live action photo as opposed to Bob Pettit's stylized digital style. So a, a bit of a discrepancy there from what the show normally looks like. But you get the impression they just kind of threw these parts together uh, with what they had. So it makes sense they weren't going to spend a bunch of money on these segments because the deleted scene clips had to be fully animated uh, for this episode. So I guess that's where most of their budget went. And that makes sense too, right? Because this is a 22-minute episode where they have to spread out the same budget, I assume. So most of the money, I guess, went towards the deleted clips while these interstitials of the characters talking, they don't need to be as animated. It's just them in a studio talking to the camera. I guess similar to uh, Boost Mobile, where we had Shake looking at us, the audience, and talking to us. It's the same thing here in these. He's telling us about these clips from his upcoming movie, which of course really was colon movie film, not actually a Master Shake film. And that's not something they would do a lot in, in previous Aqua Teen, which was more straightforward storytelling is uh, in terms of, you know, relatively speaking to Aqua Teen Hunger Force, as opposed to Boost Mobile, which is a very tongue-in-cheek ad episode. And this one where we have Shake actually showing us, the audience, these clips. And of course, the joke is it's for his upcoming Untitled Master Shake project. But going through it here, I get the impression that we really do have Matt and Dave kind of speaking through Master Shake on their thoughts on some of these clips that didn't make the final film. And again, if you're not as as close to this material, all of this Hypno-Rim stuff is not in colon movie film. So it's just this long story arc idea that they cut out. But again, luckily we're able to show us here, and of course in the deleted film, if you're uh, the kind of person who wants to watch that on the colon movie film for theaters DVD. Something I forgot to mention a little bit earlier is, of course, in the deleted scenes, we have Carrie Means playing Frylock. We don't see Frylock in these interstitials, the things that we are talking about on the podcast today, which, like, I get why, because Frylock is really in an episode of Aqua Teen to just give structure to an episode, while these interstitials, by their very nature, are structured because we need Shake and Meatwad to at some point play the clip. So Frylock is not in these, and that's kind of like something that we see a lot throughout Aqua Teen. For example, when they were doing live shows and stuff, Carrie wasn't involved, and I'm not going to get too into that, but I remember when I watched this, I was a little bummed. I was like, well, where's Frylock? How come he's not with them? And that is kind of a trend that you will see in a lot of this kind of tertiary Aqua Teen content. Of course, this is an actual episode. This isn't some special feature or anything like that, but particularly in special features where Carrie might not be as involved as much, which is a bit of a bummer because for me personally, I love all three of the Aqua Teens, but I get that Meatwad and Shake are definitely, and Carl are uh, kind of the more standout characters. But okay, back to this uh, episode here. We had Shake introducing this episode to us and what we were going to be doing in the episode Meatwad is running the technicals. He's running the projector to show these clips. 
No clue why Shake would enlist Meatwad for this job. You would have thought he would have asked Frylock, who would be a, a bit more competent, but uh, maybe Frylock said no. Who knows? Maybe that's why Frylock's just not here and why he isn't involved in as much stuff because he's like, fuck these guys. Why am I going to want to do this with them? I've got actual work to do so I can pay our bills. That might be what Frylock's doing right now, but, you know, um, that last clip, we had some silences that I wanted to keep in because it's funny because <laughs> Meatwad's just, like, not playing the clip when Shake is saying to, and then we see Shake kind of fidgeting around, like, waiting for Meatwad to play the clip as he's trying to put together this self-indulgent piece. So, moving on to our next deleted clip, I played you a little bit of the beginning. Again, we're not going to be going through the deleted clips, but... We open in on the clip, we have the Aqua Teens with Carl in their backyard. This is during the whole girl quest uh, part of the film. And the Moonanites roll up, again, in their spaceship with the Hypno Rims. They're just kind of being assholes to everybody. And then they drive away. And they're being chased by a bunch of squirrels because that's the problem with Hypno Rims. It doesn't matter who sees them, they're going to want you afterwards. <laughs> oh, when will they learn? <laughs> <sighs> we all know why 80 million movie viewers won't be seeing that on Memorial Day weekend, huh? What? <laughs> you gonna set a five-day box office record with that? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Don't think so. Come on, man. <laughs> this would be like on the end credits. Like Cannonball Run. You see that? <laughs> Burt Reynolds can't get that word out because Dom DeLuise is like jumping up and Blooper down. Call. He doesn't know. That's called a blooper. And they always go in the beginning credits. <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. They're talking about the film Cannonball Run, which is a 1981 film with Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Jackie Chan, Roger Moore, Farrah Fawcett, a lot of big names of the time, uh, Dean Martin as well. And that film, the credits are done over bloopers. So that's kind of what they're talking about here, except Shake's like, no, uh, those are bloopers and they're played at the beginning of the film, which would be a very strange way to open a film, although I guess this episode of Aqua Teen opened straight up with the, the deleted clips. But of course, these are not bloopers in this episode. These are deleted scenes. But I'm realizing now, it's kind of interesting because this is very meta in the way that Boost Mobile was, and we can see, again, Matt and Dave using these characters in different ways because they are acknowledging the fact that the film is a film and that they were actors in a film, as opposed to the film just being like what was supposed to have actually happened to the Aqua Teens in their real life, which I guess raises the question, like, when they're doing the show, do these characters know that they're in a show or not? Obviously, these are questions that Matt and Dave are not interested in answering and probably never thought of, but I can't help but uh, ponder on that, about how meta this episode is like the previous episode of Aqua Teen. After that clip, though, Meatwad, remember, he's in charge of the projector. He's going to do what he wants. He's a sentient being. He can, he can make his own decisions. He's going to play us some Radon. And if you're unfamiliar, Radon is a live-action short film made by Dave Willis, Matt Malero, and J. Wade Edwards. And that is available on the Volume 4 disc of Aqua Teen, which came out like two weeks before this episode. So it was newly available, and Matt and Dave just wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit in this episode. So we see a clip from Radon on the screen, which is when Matt Malero as the, uh, the utility man kind of flies away. <laughs> yeah, I know, it sounds crazy, it is. I'll put a link to Radon in the description if you don't have the DVDs, or if you have them but don't want to get up and put it in. You could watch that on YouTube. 
And worth mentioning that I covered Radon on a Patreon episode where we got some inside info from Jay Wade Edwards on that. So I love Radon. I think it's as good as any Aqua Teen episode. I love whenever the guys make live action stuff. And I guess Meatwad does too. But unfortunately, Master Shake isn't really going to like that. Roll that clip from Radon. <laughs> Because I want to see that monster, boy. <laughs> Excuse me just a moment. You want to see a monster? Oh, no, no. Here's your oh, monster. No. Here's your monster. Here's your monster in the face. You <laughs> You make me do this to you. Master Shake showing his real colors there. Uh, Meatwad, he just wants to see the monster in Radon, which was animated by Craig Harton. And again, Radon is great. Check it out. So, Shake is done laying the smack down. He's going to come back and sit in his director's chair. Sorry about that, folks. <sighs> Technical difficulties. Is that uh... all you got? <laughs> Shake looking pissed off. <laughs> there are plenty of monsters in Master Shake Project. <laughs> Here's another unfortunate clip that was poorly written, poorly animated, <laughs> and poorly executed. To top it all off, had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> Which is very compelling. <laughs> so there you could see Matt and Dave, I think, kind of poking fun at themselves. Like, what the fuck were we thinking with all this bullshit? But unfortunately, you know, Meatwad here, he's proven he's already a bad boy at the beginning of the episode. He's not going to roll it as quickly as Shake would like. And you may be saying, well, he just got the crap kicked out of him. Why wouldn't Meatwad roll the clip? Why is he being a bad boy? What's he doing? What's he, what's he so busy with he can't roll the clip? I'll tell you what he's busy with, and you would be doing the same goddamn thing right now. Meatwad, he's looking at butt frenzy. Roll the clip, crap stain. <laughs> Give me that! <laughs> what? what the hell are you doing? Roll the... Reading. Which, uh... Which episode is which issue is this? Ah, yes. Roll that clip. Roll that hot, sticky, honey-coated clip. Quick, please. So there's Meatwad finally doing his job. Uh, I like I like Shake. He runs up. He's like, "Which episode is this? Uh, which issue is this?" I don't know if that was actually Dana Snyder fucking up the line or if that was intentional. I could see it being either one. With Aqua Teen. But of course we could see on the magazine it says cool butt issue. And a fun error here when Shake says give me that. When he's trying to take the magazine from Meatwad. His mouth is not moving. I guess he wants it so badly that he can't move his mouth in the process. And he also somehow like shined that information to all of us. So the clip that Meatwad plays here. We basically have the Moonanites in their ship. We see the Plutonians and stuff. But really the point of the clip is that Carl is going to get hypnotized by the Hypno-Rims, and the Moon Knights are going to make him shove a broomstick up his ass. So he will do that. He'll drop his pants, put a broomstick up his butt, and we'll see, like, the handle of it poking out the top of his skull. And I remember seeing this as a kid, and this is where I was just kind of like, oh, like, this is kind of gross. This isn't really what I liked from Aqua Teen. I liked how Aqua Teen was just so silly and Dada-ist. When I see it now, I still honestly feel the same way. I'm glad this was cut from the film. Of course, there is some gory moments in the film, especially with Carl, but those I think are a lot funnier than this. This is just cruel. This is just mean to Carl without, in my opinion, of course, there being any real joke attached to it in any sort of way, unlike what they ended up doing in Colin movie film, which I think was much better. But look, it's the deleted scenes episode. Carl's putting that broom up his ass. Nothing I can do about it. 
The stick has met with resistance. Your butt requires more wood. Nice match gun. <laughs> what happens next? <gasps> You'll never know. Who done it? Who done what? The movie? Ah, finally! Yes, thank you. The project was supposed to be a mystery. Once again, raped by Hollywood. And as a result, we end up with unmysterious clips like this. Which you better be so ready to roll. I, I just left her. Well, maybe you, you should have left here. And fix your tie. You sounds straight. You're in Hollywood, baby. I want to be on camera. Because I look good. What are you, a busboy at Denny's? <laughs> what are you, a busboy at Denny's? I like that clip opened with Shake saying, uh, like, nice match cut or something. That was not a match cut. There was no match cut on screen. He's just saying that as a funny callback to earlier in the episode when there was a match cut. And, yeah, some surprising language from Shake here, I think, again, leads to the uh, 14 rating on this episode. And I like him telling Meatwad to straighten his tie. Meatwad is not wearing a tie. Neither of them are wearing clothing. They are their normal character models. So that, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just fun. It's just Aqua Teen, and that's why I thought that these interstitials at least were worth talking about, even if I didn't want to talk about the clips again. So on to that clip I didn't want to talk about again. Basically, the gist of it is it's just more kind of humiliation of Carl. Uh, he has the broomstick up his ass. He's not really wearing clothes at this point. He puts a beehive on his head, and he goes and he steals the Insanoflex chip from the Aqua Teens. Of course, if you haven't seen the film... That's going to make no sense to you in terms of the Insanoflex chip, but uh, you're not alone in that case because it made no sense to anybody else in 2005 because the colon movie film for theaters didn't come out until 2007. So I very much would have been confused my first time watching this too and kind of ballsy for them to keep that stuff in here. Like they're just talking about Insanoflex without any context or anything, which I think, uh, you know, leads to a lot of the initial impression and reactions to this episode. But again, these clips don't really matter. The important part here is that what we saw was pretty shocking, and Shake is going to comment on that on the uh, feedback that they got from the clip. When we showed this to audiences in the Mall of America, their responses were varied. Ludicrous was a word that we heard. Uh, deplorable, that was one. Uh, unwatchable, <laughs> but all in all, they were good. When I was at that mall, the security guard took me down to the bathroom and said, this is how you don't touch people. And I said, what? Uh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> All right, so we have a great reaction from Shake here when Meatwad says that the security guard took him to the bathroom to show him this is how you don't touch people. I can't say I completely understand this joke, but my guess is that Meatwad was inappropriately touched, I guess, by a security guard at the Mall of America. And of course, obviously, that is not a funny topic in itself, but when it's a talking fictional meatball character and Shake's reaction to that is pure horror is just great. I think it's one of the best jokes in this episode. I should say, I live in Minnesota, which is where the Mall of America is. It is about an hour away from where I live. I've only been there once, though. My buddy Jacob took my wife and I, showed us around because he grew up right near it. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's a, just a huge mall, all sorts of stores, all sorts of shops, restaurants, even some carnival rides and crazy shit like that. You, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. The Mall of America, it's where I first used VR ever in my life because they had some uh, demo units there. 
Uh, but I can't say that I got the whole security guard treatment, but I just love the idea that this is where they chose to show the upcoming Master Shake film at the Mall of America. I think there is a theater there, so that, that's what they would have been referencing. Meatwad's going to change the topic now because he isn't happy that he admitted this to Shake and Shake's reaction of it. So Meatwad's going to put on his own project, which really is just some footage of him dancing with Dewey and Vanessa. From my knowledge at the moment, I don't think this was in the deleted film. I don't think this was meant to be in the full Aqua Teen film. It's just a little gag for this deleted scenes episode. And then Shake, he's not going to like that. He's going to shoot the screen with a shotgun. Okay, let's roll a clip from <laughs> Meatwad's Disco Safari. Par party explosion. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Give it up now. You got it. You got it. You got it. Go, go on. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. Well, I like the explosion part. That's bad. It's pretty. <laughs> it's real. And it's gone. That's all right. That's all right. I dubbed it. <laughs> I dubbed it. Meatwad's got backups. Don't worry about it. Although, of course, it doesn't matter because Shake shot the screen. There's a projector pointed at the screen. Shooting the screen isn't going to ruin the tape or anything like that. But regardless here, I'm pretty sure I heard Meatwad say who's bad while he's dancing. And a nice callback to Michael Jackson and uh, Quincy Jones, who we talked a tiny bit about earlier in the podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty goddamn excited for Meatwad's disco safari party explosion. I don't know why everyone's so focused on this Death Fighter film, this supposed follow-up to colon movie film for theaters. I want to see Meatwad's disco safari party explosion. Matt and Dave, what are you doing? Come on, I'm gonna I'm gonna call those guys right now. I'm I, I need to see this because this is the kind of content that an Aqua Teen fan wants. Shake might not like it, but you know what? Who cares? From there, we're going to get a first for Aqua Teen. We're going to get a commercial break, and Shake will acknowledge that, because again, I've said it a thousand times, but this episode is 22 minutes long. They have to have a commercial break in the middle, and Shake is going to tell us about it. And now, here's a commercial that I, that I also produced. <laughs> I make those. I make a lot of them. So, unfortunately, I could not find the commercials from the night that this episode aired. I would have liked to have seen the, the commercials that Shake claimed that he produced, but uh, for now, I don't know that answer. But what I do know is that is an example of a clip that is not included in the star-studded Christmas version of this episode that is split up into two parts, because they don't need a commercial break. Those, those two parts are 11 minutes each, so they, they don't go to commercial. It's just like a normal episode of Aqua Teen. It ends. So while Meatwad is showing us his, uh, you know, his uh, disco safari party explosion, it's just rolling the credits over that, and then it ends. And it's just Master Shake saying, like, goodbye or something like that. It doesn't go to commercial. So this is an example of something unique to this longer version of the show. Again, some other examples of the differences would be, like, the clips being in different orders, uh, a little bit more of the clips being shown, things like that. But this is a, a very glaring one because there's no commercial break in an 11-minute episode. Which, in my opinion, is kind of significant. It's not some sort of just completionist, like, oh, we don't have every single second from the other version in, in this version. 
I think this it's kind of a funny joke, right? Shake is like, oh, I produced these commercials or something like that. Like to me, it's funny. It's it's worth keeping in. So it's a bummer that if you're only seeing this via the basically at this point the volume five DVD, you're gonna miss out on a joke like that, which I think is uh, tragic. It's honestly one of the most tragic things that could happen to a human being. And uh, I look down on pity of anyone who missed out on this joke, and it makes me a little bit emotional. In the arms of the angel, fly away from here. Hi, I'm Ronnie Neely. Will you be an angel for a helpless Aqua Teen fan? Everyday innocent Aqua Teen fans are not seeing the full 22-minute episode of the Deleted Scenes episode. Please head to patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden with a monthly gift right now for just $14,000 a month. Okay, I'm going to stop this stupid fucking joke. Sarah McLaughlin's going to sue me now. In the arms of- Hi, I'm Ronnie Neely. Can you help with my legal defense fund against Sarah McLaughlin suing my ass? For just $7 million a month. All right, let's talk about Aqua Teen. So we get back from our commercial break, our first ever of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and Shake, he greets us with this. Let's catch up with Carl on the cutting room floor. We go into a long clip with the Moon Knights and the Plutonians and the Aqua Teens in Carl's bedroom. Carl is there again. He has no clothes on. He has a beehive on his head. He's got, you know, stings all over his face. He's got the broomstick up his ass, so he's, like, hunched over all weird. And Shake says the cutting room floor, because these are deleted scenes, right? They got cut on the cutting room floor. But it's a bit of a double entendre because we cut in on Carl literally cutting into his leg with a knife. It's very gory, very gross. Also, I don't know if I used double entendre correctly. I've never used that in my life, so I hope I did. And it's just another aspect of this just being mean to Carl just being gross to him and 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 just yeah it's just gore for the sake of gore I guess and one of those things that didn't do a ton for me and turns out I'm not the only one that didn't like this because Carl's gonna show up now in our episode in the director's uh, studio as it were and he's not gonna be pleased about this and guess what he's still got a bit of that broomstick up his ass Look who it is! It's Carl, my next door neighbor from Untitled <laughs> oh, Master God. Shake Project. Oh. Hey there, happy man. Hey guy, uh, you still got that broom oh. up your butt from the oh. film? <laughs> yeah, actually I do. Uh, you can't see it through the uh, sweatpants there, huh? Yeah, that's broom. <laughs> yeah, those are some crazy special effects, huh? No, <laughs> no, I really did have it up my ass, and it's still there. Hey, let me show you. Oh, no, 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 it's no trouble. I want to do this. I want this to fail. Oh, yeah, I can see it. See, I was able to uh, trim off most of the bristles, you know, so I could sit without uh, too much pressure on my head. Someone's got writer's block. My HMO won't do nothing about it because they dropped me. Wow. Let's cut away from you. (laughs) So you heard some like fumbling of the mic there. That was Shake literally getting up from his chair to like move the camera away from Carl because Carl is just making this thing depressing. I have to say, okay, because I haven't seen this episode, truthfully, I'm being honest with you, since 2005 or whenever it is I first saw it back in the day. Of course, I should say that I have watched it a couple times before this recording, but my point is 
because of that, when I was watching the deleted film last year for the Patreon, I like really didn't like these parts. I have to say, with this deleted scenes episode, it kind of is funny having Carl show up and being like, no, that wasn't special effects, and Carl's there actually pissed off about it. I think that really salvages this joke for me in a way that I didn't appreciate until now. So I do like that aspect of it. So as like a self-contained thing... I think that they are kind of making this work in a way that it certainly, in my opinion, of course, wouldn't have if they included these bits in the film. Like, if this was a part of the actual film with Carl with the broomstick up his ass, just being abused by the Moonanites the entire time, that isn't so funny. But seeing Carl's reaction to it here elevates it in a very cool way. And worth mentioning, a way that Matt and Dave couldn't have anticipated, I would imagine, when they first wrote those parts. So really cool repurposing of this content here and recontextualizing it. So confusingly in our next clip, we're going to see Meatwad pull the broomstick out of Carl's ass. He is not really hypnotized anymore by the Moonanites. And you may be wondering, well, if in the film previously, before the uh, you know interstitials were assumingly done because they can't be talking about these film clips before they were filmed, why does Carl still have the broomstick up his ass if they pulled it out in the film? That doesn't make any sense! Well, Carl's got the same question. What? what I don't understand. I mean, if you, if you took it out, I mean, why is it, why is it still up here? Oh, we had some reshoots! <laughs> I lost like three days there. And we'll I... talk about it later. <laughs> no, 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 we'll talk about it now. Now I'm confused here. I thought you cut this scene out. Look, I will admit that test audiences liked it. But where's the footage, Carl? I don't know, because I lost it. Well, we didn't have no FX budget, so we had to do it for real. <laughs> hey, do you want me to pull it out again? Yes, live, for the very first time, except for in that previous deleted scene. Meatwad will free the broomstick from the dank, hairy tomb of Carl's... He's gone. What? Yeah, he's gone. Oh, yeah. That's because I told him to go. That's what directors do. They direct. And I directed him to go. Which he did. Good. Good scene, Carl. <laughs> now, let's look at this next failed clip. <laughs> we heard through the audio, we, you could hear somebody walking out. You hear the door open and close. So I like the way that they use sound in this show a lot. And when talking to the guys, they really emphasize that themselves, that the sound is very important to the show. And yeah, it's just a subtle way of explaining that here. We, Carl doesn't make a big scene. He doesn't really say anything. He just leaves. We just hear his footsteps. And he's gone. And uh, a fun, you know, dancing around that, that subject of, well, if they pulled it out in the film, then why does he still have it up his ass? Doesn't really make sense. And uh, it's Aqua Teen. That's what we want. That's what we're here for. If it made sense, I'd be fucking pissed off about it. So we dive into our next, I think Shake says field clip, which I don't know if that's supposed to be a play on field trip. I'm not really sure. But the gist of the clip is that we're in Carl's room still with the Plutonians, the Moonanites there, Frylock and Meatwad and Shake are there, and Carl's there as well. And basically Frylock, he, the Moonanites get hypnotized by the Hypno-Rims, and then Frylock tries to hypnotize Shake with the Hypno-Rims, but Shake can't be hypnotized because he doesn't have a brain. So we jump back to the director's commentary, and you'll hear that Shake likes this scene so much that he'll direct Meatwad to play it again. Wow. Huh? We felt that 
Since we cut out anything having to do with rims or insanoflex <laughs> or a wad of meat or Frylock, that there would be a slight continuity error having Frylock at the end of the scene here when he was otherwise banished from the rest of the film. <sighs> I cut that scene, but the interplay in it is so damn good. <laughs> it rips my heart out every time I have to watch it. <sighs> Gotta tell you, it hurts. <laughs> you know what? Roll it again. Okay. Rewind it first, though. Yes, from there. No, too far. Back. Just a little more. No, just a little more. A little bit back. Whoa, whoa, you just passed it. Back, back. No, now you passed it again. Forward, forward, forward. For stop. Too far. Back, back. Stop. Stop it. Perfect. That's where the magic starts. <laughs> so again, they play the entire clip again that they just played, except at this point, Frylock, Oglethorpe, Meatwad, and Emery, they're basically edited, like they're censored out via an orange square over them, which honestly is kind of confusing because it's like similar to the quad laser, but that's not what it's supposed to be. It's just an orange square over these characters and over the hypno rim. And you just have Shake and the Moon and Knights. And it's so funny. The reason I'm laughing, the reason this is so funny to me, is because they show this on fucking broadcast television of just this back and forth. It's so stupid. It's such a waste of time. And it's so funny to me because only Matt and Dave that I'm aware of would do something like this. And this, to me, is more in line with their Space Ghost work than their Aqua Teen stuff of just wasting our time in such a ridiculous manner is so funny to me. So again, they show back the same exact clip, and then we're going to get Shake's second reaction to the clip here, and uh, he's really sad they had to cut it. I hate to lose that scene. <laughs> See, I was trying to make it look like the Moon of Nights and fired a giant bullet, and, and I didn't have enough money to paint him into a <laughs> hobbit so he could just run across the countryside in the background and no one would care about what he does. Damn it! All in all, still, it's... It's right on the money. Yep. Solid, Mark. Very solid. Like my stool. <laughs> you've moved me. <laughs> Meanwhile, saying, like my stool, you've moved me. I assume that's a, a bowel movement uh, reference there. And, uh, yeah, Meatwad's not really, uh, caring too much about this. And, uh, neither am I, of course. This is not a particularly amazing scene or heartfelt scene or anything like that, which makes Shake's reaction that much funnier. But he's still a little upset, and you know what? He wants to end on a high note. He's gonna break some laws here. <sighs> you know, I hesitate to show you this next scene. Because it is the ending of my movie. <laughs> but you know what? It's so damn good. It's got feeling. <laughs> you know what? Let's go full throttle. Screw the suits. You just got Christmas early this year, kids. <laughs> I'm rolling it for you. Shake is going to roll the end of his film. Screw the suits. He doesn't care what anyone says. He's going to do what he wants. And here's the fun thing, okay? We've covered every actual deleted clip from this movie. We have two more clips going forward here, including the one Shake is trying to show to us, and neither of these were actually supposed to be in the Aqua Teen film. So these are just for 
this silly deleted scenes episode, this next one particularly, because we see Shake, he's at the bar, the super trivia bar, at least it's the same background, we have Shake sitting in a booth with a woman, it's the same woman that we had from season 4 episode 1's Dirt Foot from the uh, private investigator Bruno Sardine scene, that uh, woman at the beginning of the Dirt Foot episode, that's who's going to be sitting there with Shake, and she's not going to be too happy about it. Baby, I want us to grow old together. <laughs> Have babies. Baby. One. One baby. I hate kids. But I know you love them, and I'll let you out of your box to feed it. Or maybe we could just cut some holes in the box. You read me, baby? Hey, come over here. All right. Now fillet me as I eat this expensive ham. So it says, written, produced, and directed by Master Shake in, like, this uh, diamondy metallic font. It's very, very fancy font there. And, yeah, we had Shake and this woman sitting at the booth. There's a big ham on the table, and then the woman comes and sits next to Shake on the booth. He says, to fillet me, which is not appropriate to say <laughs> to, uh, any, to somebody that you're not intimately familiar with, which my assumption is that is not the case here. Shake, he... I guess hired this actress just to be disgusting to her, and she acted accordingly. Although I would like to say, in a way, I mean, Shake acted horrible here, but good for him because he likes Bruno Sardine, and this woman was in Bruno Sardine, so kind of cool that he got somebody that he's a fan of in his project. So Shake showed us that fake ending to the film. Obviously, uh, there's no way that would have happened. And Shake is going to comment on that. Again, it was the woman uh, sitting next to him. He said to fillet him. We heard that she hit him, but uh, I don't think that Shake would quite admit to that. And she does. Twice. <laughs> we don't have to show it on the screen. It's so boring when you watch a movie and all they show is big, beautiful breasts and sex scenes one after another. She hit you, boy. <laughs> I'm not saying that it won't make the movie, but I've been told by many people that it's not. That ain't in the movie? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Those executives are screwing up the art of c cinnamon. Cinnamon? Hey, I'm still fighting for it. Cinnamon. Because that's what the core of this character is all about. Family, love, keeping jewel thieves from stealing the, the jewel stuff, the royal ruby of Aruba. There's a lot about that in there, too. I have a... I break into a museum. You know, it's 90 minutes. They got to pack a lot of 90 minutes. All in all, it's an action, romance, horror, comedy. <laughs> it's a romance-a-hority. And you're going to pay me 10 bucks to see it. You bet I will. When's it come out? This Christmas. And spring. Both. You know, when it's re-released. In color. Just all sorts of nonsense here, and I, I just want to reiterate how much I enjoy this, that this is such a Matt and Dave, and such just an Aqua Teen kind of uh, deleted scenes episode, and that they're not explicitly saying, look, these are deleted scenes from the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, here are some deleted scenes that didn't make the cut. They're playing it up like this is Shake's fucking fake movie, like it's some movie he's working on, and they're even including a legit made for this episode fake scene of him with this woman he's lying about it it's so just like it's not answering any questions it's not being straightforward with the viewer you have to remember when this came out and we'll kind of touch on this at the end of the podcast episode 
Colon movie film for theaters was hinted at, but not quite confirmed. People didn't know the title. They didn't know it was actually happening. They didn't know when it would be out. So it was kind of like, again, they were hinting at it also on the Volume 4 DVD, which came out like a week or two before this this episode, they had some kind of like clips and hints at it on the DVD. So if you were like a very early uh, uh, purchaser of the DVD, you kind of maybe knew but it was still very much up in the air, and Matt and Dave are playing into that. They're not explicitly saying, again, hey, we're working on a movie. These are some clips that aren't making it. They're being so fucking obtuse about it that the viewer in 2005, as I'll tell you later, very much was like, what's going on here? Is this movie actually happening? What is this episode? And I think that just elevates this and makes it so much funnier. Like, if you're in on the joke... It kind of makes it great. And back in 2005, when I was not in on the joke, I didn't appreciate this. But in 2023, now that I am in on it, uh, I love this. I think it's very funny. And they're going to continue with that because supposedly that was the ending to the film. But now Shake's like, all right, should we show them a real clip for the movie? And we'll hear what Meatwad has to say about that. But the clip that Shake is going to show... It's on the DVD. It's like the DVD menu. John Schnepp, who did a lot of the early Aqua Teen assets as seen in, like, Rabot, and he voices the dumbass Ahedratron and, and some other characters throughout Aqua Teen, he did these, like, purposely bad 3D animations of the Aqua Teens. So, Shake is going to show us that now. So, it's on the DVD, but it's not actually in the film. Hey, should we do it? The world. Show them a clip that actually made the movie. I don't care. What movie? All right, <laughs> then it's settled. It's time to roll that bitch. <laughs> yes. And scene. <laughs> That's a wrap for the old Aqua Teen deleted scene movie special. Until next time. I'll see you on the pan over to the trucking shop before it fades to black. Not quite sure what Shake is referencing there. Uh, probably some some film that either Matt or Dave loves. But yeah, it's very funny because we see that short clip of the Aqua Teens in 3D, and then the projector, I guess, bl like burns out or something. Like the the tape catches on fire or something like that, and we don't get to see anymore. Again, the clip they show is not actually in the film, but it is on the DVD as, like, the menus in the DVD, which is very funny. So, you may think it's over, but that's not the case, because our buddy Carl is back, and he's packing, baby. He came back with a shotgun. It's a little bit surprising, because it's the same exact asset that Shake had earlier, so I don't know why he had to leave to get this gun. I guess he could have presumably stolen Shake's, but regardless, Carl's back, and he's packing some heat. Ah, Carl! So you found a little prop gun there for yourself? No, no, no. It's not. It's not a prop gun. It's a shotgun. They use it for um, for death. Do you have any more time now? Well, you do because I want to roll Meatwad Sensation Celebration. Disco <laughs> part of town. Go ahead, knock yourself out. We're gonna get to see some footage of Meatwad Sensation Celebration Disco Party Town. It's the same footage as before. It's just him dancing with his dollies on the projector. But the way that this is going to be set up is that Carl and Shake are going to go behind the screen where the uh, Meatwad Sensation Celebration Disco Party Town is being projected. And behind the screen, we will kind of see their silhouettes 
with Carl pointing the shotgun at Shake. They'll have some exchanges back and forth, and then it'll end just about how you would expect it to. All right, knucklehead. Why don't we roll that clip again? I want you to show me the moment that I get pissed off at you. Carl, look, we have narrative issues. No, I could see Second that. Second act was flabby. No help from you. We had the fire of the caterer, and the studio wanted those grill shots. Not me. Oh, it's them, not you. Oh, I see. I wanted to go further. I said, let's do CGI. They said flatly, no. They wanted gritty no, I'm realism. No, I'm a method <laughs> actor. I understand that, yeah. Where do you want it? The heart or the brain? Yeah, De Niro would have shoved the broom up his ass. All I would have had to say was, Bobby, we're thinking about the guy's got a broom in his boom. It would have been done. No, I know, I know. You gotta know what it feels like up there. Where is your brain? Know what it's like to have it up your butt. How about I just blow your straw off? That'd be funny. It's gotta be an extension of yourself before you can act it. It's time for your close-up. How you like them now? <laughs> So that is the end there, and we had the credits rolling over the footage of of Meatwad dancing and singing with this conversation going on behind that, both behind the audio and visually behind the screen with the silhouettes of the characters there. And that's it. That's the deleted scenes episode. I like Carl there. He's referencing himself being a method actor. Just goes into the absurdity of this where everyone's just like, yeah, this is a movie we made. We're an actor. So it's very fun. But before I really give you my thoughts on it, of course, I have to give you the thoughts of those who saw it the very first night that it aired, all the way back in 2005. Of course, link to this whole discussion thread in the description. So the first thing that needs to be addressed, because I touched on this on Boost Mobile, is that this episode actually was viewable online the Friday before the Sunday that it premiered on Adult Swim. So on December 16th, you could catch this online on what was called Friday Night Fix. This was, I guess, just Adult Swim trying to boost their online presence. And you could see, in this case, like episodes that haven't even aired yet. Or you could see pilots, other kinds of episodes. So on the discussion thread here, we have it listed as 1216. And there's even somebody asking, how are you guys seeing this? It hasn't aired yet. And people kind of explain. So now I know why with Boost Mobile, people were talking about it before it was actually on Adult Swim. Again, I'm still just going to stick to when it aired on television. I've been very uh, purposeful in picking my words for uh, introducing the episode because of that. But again, it's like eh, I'm more interested in when people could actually see it on TV, which is when I would have seen it. I definitely uh, I don't think had the bandwidth capabilities in 2005 to stream video like this. So this one was split understandably. Uh, user Vicious says, this is long and annoying. That was their whole comment. Um, but some people really love this one. I'm seeing people say that it's actually the funniest of the three new episodes in 2005, which to me is mind-blowing. I don't know how you like this more than Boost Mobile or Dirtfoot. I mean, usually I'm very respectful of other people's opinions, but to me that's crazy, especially back in 2005, before Colin Movie Film was out. Like, we're getting references in these deleted clips to Colin Movie Film that would have made no sense, like with the Insanoflex chip, or any reference of the Insanoflex chip, or just anything that was going on in these clips. Now, of course, in 2023, like, with knowing everything that, that would come out after this, I've seen Colin Movie Film, I've seen the deleted film. So this makes a lot more sense to me in context, but I'm mind-blown that there are people here who like this. I think, honestly, 
the people loved this because there was Moon Knights in it, and we hadn't gotten Moon Knights in a little while, so people seemed excited about that. It looks like I'm not the only one who uh, wasn't crazy about the gore uh, and violence against Carl. User MGFanJ says, God, the bits with the Moon Knights and Carl at the beginning with the blinged out ride were great. Then they went and had Carl shove a broom up his ass and try to saw his own leg off. Ugh. It was still pretty funny, but it went a bit too far at times. Easily the best of the past three episodes, and yeah, the bit with Meatwad and the guard was hilarious. I do agree on that guard bit. We actually have some speculation here on if the Aqua Teen movie is just a hoax or not, because again, it had been teased for a while, and then they're going to go through another year, all of 2006, of being teased about it, like, ooh, is it coming, is it not? So yeah, you have people suggesting that the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie is just an elaborate hoax. <laughs> Which I can't blame them, especially with an episode like this. So those are just a few of the comments over on what was the Toon Zone forum back in the day. Now, for some reason, it's called the Anime Superhero Forum. Not really sure why. But again, link in description if you want to see that. On to my thoughts here. I definitely feel like this is one that you need to have the context to fully understand. Like, I'm surprised people were liking it even as much as they did on the forum I mean, as for, like, just the writing, especially in the uh, screening room bits, I think, like, you can enjoy those on their own, but there's no real story here, and because we haven't seen the film up, to, up until this point, at least when it was released, like, you just don't really understand. It just feels so inconsequential, I guess. So now, in the future, uh, watching it back, I do appreciate it a lot more knowing the context here and having seen the deleted film, having seen colon movie film for theaters and knowing how these clips were intended to be used in the film that ultimately were scrapped. But again, I feel like that context just really makes it more enjoyable. Otherwise, it's just, again, feeling inconsequential and kind of pointless to watch. Um, again, the writing is fine, but it's like I, I wouldn't choose to watch this over any other Aqua Teen episode. That was definitely true in the past, and it's still true now. I appreciate this for what it was, and for the history behind it, uh, particularly, you know, with, like, the different versions of it. But this is not one I'm really wanting to go back and watch again. I usually don't bring up IMDb ratings, but it's worth mentioning, this is the lowest-rated episode of Aqua Teen. And certainly up until this point, it's, like, lower rated than anything else. It, it looks to me like the next lowest rated would have been Rabot with a 7.1. This episode, Deleted Scenes, has a 6.4 on IMDb. And again, it's the lowest rated on IMDb for all of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I understand why. It's just a, a different kind of episode, not one that I suspect... I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but not one I would suspect people would just want to throw on to just watch it, right? Like you would say, I don't know, Brood Witch or The Shaving or something like that. But having said all that negative stuff, there is a lot that I really enjoyed about this one and that I really appreciate about this one. First of all, I mean, kind of like I was just saying, knowing where these clips come from, I do appreciate how they were repackaged to show on television and I guess kind of drum up hype for colon movie film for theaters, even though it's in this very opaque way with Shake, like, oh, this is my upcoming movie. Like, it's, they're not straight about it, but I do think it was very creative the way that they did this, and I think it was a bit of an accomplishment because of that creatively. But I do want to really point out something here that I think is important, and that is that a lot of these guys who work on Aqua Teen got their start doing episodes like 
this. So I've touched on this on the podcast over the years here and there. And that is that a lot of these guys were making these kind of interstitial things for Hanna-Barbera cartoons or, or Popeye, for example, just older cartoons. They would, they would have the cartoon characters in some instances, like introducing episodes and things like that. Like that's how Ned Hastings kind of cut his teeth. Uh, Bob Pettit talked to us about that. Uh, Jay Edwards talked to us a bit about that. A lot of these guys started out doing bumps and things like this for Cartoon Network. So for them to then go and make an Aqua Teen version of that, I think is really fucking cool that they got to kind of poke fun at this format and do it in a silly Dadaist Aqua Teen way. And as you can tell by the fact that I wanted to cover these interstitials over the deleted scenes is that I like these interstitials. I think that they, like, this is what I like about Aqua Teen. It's so silly and just conversational as opposed to the movie clips, which really aren't. I mean, in a way, they kind of are, too. I'm not I'm not shitting on these clips. I think they're fine. But I like how they did these interstitials, and it's just really cool that the guys who did a lot of these for other cartoons got to actually do this, where it is funny, it is worth watching, as opposed to, you know, some of the other stuff was more just commercial in nature, not as freely artistic in nature as doing it for Aqua Teen. So I think that's really cool. I think we can appreciate this for the relic that it is, it's not an episode I'm suggesting to anybody, but it's definitely worth seeing. Especially, it helps if you if you saw colon movie film for theaters, definitely. But also, if you got around to checking out the deleted film as well. So, all in all, I think I gotta give deleted scenes. This is a hard one to rank because it's so weird. Um, I, I think I'll give it two and a half broomsticks out of five. So that's two full broomsticks and one that is sawed in half or potentially broken off inside of Carl. I'm not sure because there's a lot I don't like here and a lot that I really didn't like when I first saw this on TV all the way back when it aired. But there is a lot that I like about it, especially doing this podcast. And I've said it so many times that I love doing this podcast because it gives me a reason to reevaluate these episodes and just pay more attention to them. So an episode that, like I said, I did not watch again once since I saw it back in 2005 until doing this podcast, it's because of this podcast that I did get to at least appreciate this for what it was. So that is it for me this week. Thanks for hanging out with me, talking teens with me. If you're still around at the end here, you're an absolute unit. I appreciate you. I appreciate Hyperboreal for signing on to the Patreon. Of course, I appreciate all of our patrons, especially our Highlander Nick. There can be only one! There's only one Aqua Teen deleted scenes episode, just like there's only one Nick. I also want to shout out our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lecheraton69, Empower706, SwimWiki, and Carson. You guys can ask me to run your projector any day of the week. Speaking of which, fellas, please check the Patreon because next week we're going to be diving into another Adult Swim show of the era and I need you guys to pick it and tell me what to do because I'm easily influenced. I'll see you then. Take it easy. Keep it cool. Bye-bye.
All right, look, I forgot to tell you a very, very crucial, important detail. So the version of this episode that's split up into two 11-minute episodes is called Aqua Teen Hunger Force Star-Studded Christmas Spectacular starring Ron Jeremy, parts one and two. And Ron Jeremy is a porn star, okay? He's a very famous porn star. Big, like, in the 70s and 80s, maybe? I, I, I'm not the person to ask about this. And in fact, I think now it came out, surprise, surprise, that he's a piece of shit, horrible person. But I should mention that, and of course, they don't actually write his name correctly. They misspell it on purpose uh, to avoid any legal issues. But just thought I'd come in and let you know. And if you're asking if I was named after Ron Jeremy, I hope to God not. Actually, okay, I may have mentioned this before, but my dad wanted to name me Ronnie, and my mom said, okay, but we have to spell it like Ronnie James Dio. So if you were ever wondering, wow, this guy puts off massive Holy Diver vibes. Now you know. There are two facts for you at the end of the episode. Everyone else who turned it off already is missing out. <laughs> 